Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. And now, Geico Saving Stories. Russell Burton closed his laptop, having just switched his car insurance to Geico. He didn't think much of it until... Savings were everywhere. My pockets, uh, wallet bank accounts. It was like the savings were following me. Following, indeed. All because of an innocent 15 minutes on Geico.com. I feel like I'm never alone. Geico. Spend 15 minutes and 15% or more in savings could be following you. K-I-R-P Radio!
KRRP Radio! Good evening, you're listening to the KRP Radio Show. It stands for Keeping It Real with Poggy Miller. I am your guest host, Rocco P. Uh, uh, this is uh, this is a special show. A special show. I'm having a little technical difficulties here, and if you just give me a moment, I get a little bit more here. Just trying to get this done. I try. Uh, no poetry said these times. Tonight we will be talking about the church's response to COVID. COVID-19 restrictions and lockdowns. Uh, I am still working on one thing. Uh, We know that everything that's been said to date, everything that has been said to date has been a lie. Everything has been a lie. Uh, And the... uh, from the very beginning, we had Neil, we had Neil Ferguson's, uh, we had Neil Ferguson's uh, models, which were completely and totally wrong. Those models were completely and totally wrong. Uh, how did Neil Ferguson uh, get those models? How did he get those models? We don't know. It was complete secret. So, to this day, if if you just let that fact sink in, for the entire world to accept that what essentially, really, one person did, Neil Ferguson, won't go into his background, but they did. They accepted what he said was reality. And then there were these, there was massive propaganda, if you remember all the time. There was massive propaganda, propaganda all over the place about, about the deaths, about the deaths and what would happen. Massive propaganda. The entire world, really, in lockstep, and I would certainly say I believe it was coordinated uh, the entire world then adopted restrictions, harsh and severe restrictions, based upon essentially what one person in Great Britain said. They were predicting uh, you know, a massive amount of deaths and illnesses. The hospitals would be overrun. Uh, that did not happen. That did not happen. What did happen? Well, immediately, again, really, throughout the world, uh, throughout the world, we saw governments, based upon that model that Neil Ferguson released, began to limit the freedoms of people. They began to limit freedoms. And I'm sure you all remember anyone that's in the vast majority of the world that would be listening. Uh, They told, they said certain people were considered non-essential workers. 
So if you weren't in that category, the government said then that you could not work because of the alleged health crisis. That's the government said. You could not work. And this was, this was unprecedented. Uh, obviously, there's been different types of illnesses in the past. Uh, there's been different types of illnesses uh, before in the past. But when those, when those illnesses that we've had in the past have occurred, there has never been a response that we saw with SARS-CoV-2, the virus that allegedly caused COVID-19. So when I say it's no exaggeration, essentially everything that we've been told about SARS-CoV-2 has been a lie. You might remember the massive amounts of uh, effort that was spent on supposedly getting, getting these ventilators, the ventilators would help people. When you look at the stats, ventilators were always a very risky uh, procedure to use with someone that had respiratory illness. And what they found out when the ventilators then were used, the fatality rate was around 90%, and they stopped using ventilators. But they didn't report that widely in the news. But we had President Trump at the time yeah, saying he's using these executive powers to make companies <laughs> build ventilators. We were told to use masks. First, we were told by Dr. Fauci and others not to use masks. Then the script flipped, and we were told you should use masks. You could do your own research, you know, if you've listened to the show before I've covered this. Any, anyone who's an anesthesiologist would tell you viruses are far too small to give you any protection on a, from a mask. They're far, far, far too small. Yet somehow science changed. And uh, I, if you've heard any previous shows, what I've said early on, the masks were merely was merely trained to get people to accept the vaccine. That's all, all the masks were. Compare the response of the governments all over the world, especially in, in the United States, to, the, to tuberculosis in the past. And Dr. Ron Paul, who is a medical doctor, pointed this out early on, well over a year ago. Tuberculosis is a highly infectious disease. And about two years ago, I think roughly a million people had died of tuberculosis worldwide. Yet, in the United States, we have never, ever considered adopting these draconian restrictions that we did for SARS-CoV-2, the virus allegedly behind COVID-19. So that, among other questions, begs to be answered. Why is that? Why, when we know tuberculosis is a highly infectious and deadly disease that's in the United States, why did we never respond to tuberculosis like this? Tonight, I want to focus on the response of the church to the government's restrictions, particularly on worship, the response of the professing church to the government's restrictions on worship. I have a special guest. I have Pastor Shane uh, from Canada. I, um, I asked him on because he's in the thick of the battle. Uh, he's in the thick of the battle, and uh, I'd like him to just, uh, just uh, introduce himself. And uh, if you're there, Shane, share a little bit about your background, your current ministry, and then how these restrictions have affected your life in ministry in Canada. Yeah, well, born Canadian and trained uh, stateside. So I, I grew up in, in the Canadian system, 
which is uh, very unique when compared to the U.S. system. Um, so we're not comparing apples with oranges, or apples to apples there. So uh, that that's important to keep in mind in in the discussion. As far as my my background, I have uh, finished three degrees in theology, uh, pastoral theology, and uh, theology proper, systematic theology, um, and I'm a I am a pastor of a, a independent fundamental Baptist church that is um, has has been 98% non-compliant um, through this this year of, and I'll use your term, draconian measures uh, to deal with the the COVID. Um, I, I don't like to call it a crisis, a manufactured crisis at best. A pandemic. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I think if you talk to the general person on the street, uh, there is a sense of nefarious uh, underpinnings to this. You talk to the average believer, they suspect that there are there's something corrupt, uh, even though they, they can't put the put put the nail on it. There is there's something satanic, dark and sinister, and to get the whole world to function in concert um, is quite an amazement, quite an amazement for me, at least um, in my lifetime, I've never seen any anything like it. No, no, I, I haven't either, I, I commented on that too uh, before you came on, the uh, before you called in, that yeah, based upon Neil Ferguson's model, which was based upon secret calculations to this day. We don't know how he came up with it. The entire world, you know, so-called, you know, the so-called free world, uh, which is less free now, China, Russia, everyone said, well, it's got to be true. Uh, how Could you comment a little bit about how, in, in your personal experience, that this then affected you? Because you, you told me some things that happened as far as when uh, the restrictions, the lockdowns were initially declared. When they were initially declared, I had to make a decision. I am I have a dual citizen status, and I have a very unique circumstance. I live in the United States, and I shepherd a church in Canada, and um, so I am right on a international border. So, with that, I had to make a decision which country I was going to, which draconian country I was going to come under and comply to. My wife and I prayed about it, and we um, we felt that I had committed to shepherding that church. So the decision was made to go and minister on the Canadian side. And in doing so, that meant then I would have to initially quarantine for two weeks, and once I entered the country, I could not go back to United States unless I wanted to quarantine for two weeks in the States and then quarantine two weeks. So that's four weeks of quarantine just to come and visit my family. 
So uh, that extended out for three months. Uh, it was three months to uh, living as a bachelor. And my wife, to this point, has not been able to enter and uh, come into the church with me. So um, so our church family, I, I'm, I'm one of those unique pastors who's separated from his wife and still qualified to be a pastor. <laughs> I separated for the right reasons, though. <laughs> that's right that's right so now, uh, that that, that that was the beginning now did i understand correctly i i just i just want to clarify i want to make sure i understood something you told me uh when we were speaking privately uh what were your accommodations like then when when you were on the canadian side for the quarantine i was quarantined in the church building which does not have shower facilities and so I took a I took a bed and rolled it up put it in the church building and did sponge baths for two weeks um, but after that uh, I had a family who had whose house was empty because they were helping ailing parents and I was able to live in that house for three months oh, that was a blessing it was. I mean, the Lord worked out in the details, but just, you know, there was definitely an adjustment period of dazed and confused and disbelief. So after at, at any, I was... I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you. I'm sorry. So after I, after I was able to pastor over there... I still had an issue because um, my vehicle had a Minnesota driver's license, a driver's license plate. So I was identified as an American no matter where I went. And the media had been done such a great job of casting fear and dispersion upon the Americans being careless about COVID that they looked at every American as a super spreader. And I literally was accosted several times in the parking lot um, of a of um, Walmart, and I, and one time in a grocery store, uh, people trying to police me because I had an American license plate, even though I was legal in the country and was a Canadian citizen. Uh, so that there was definitely a fervor of. Uh, fear and um, vigilante justice going on for a period of time. When you say you were accosted, what what, what actually happened during those instances? Well, um, two gentlemen stopped my progress going into a into uh, a store and began to um, prohibited me to go to the store, and uh, one gentleman was calling the police. The other gentleman was interrogating me. Um, so obviously he had no right to interrogate me. As he um, proceeded with his questions, I established the fact. I asked him, are you hired by the COVID police? Do you have a right to ask me these questions? Uh, I have a right to my privacy. I have no responsibility to answer to you. 
Um, so that happened on several occasions, uh, that type of behavior. And how how did that end? Did the police show up, or did they did the guy just back? They just back down, let you go in the store. Yeah, that 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 uh, time the gentleman backed down. The next one, I was um, pulling my boat out of the lake, and a an um, off duty police officer and his wife saw the Minnesota. Um, numbers on my boat identification numbers and so they became irritated that I apparently was illegal and that I had no right to be doing what I was doing but they they went about it a little more sly I mean they asked questions I gave them information he never identified himself as an off-duty officer uh, and then the next day I was coming through the border because at this time they had allowed me to start crossing border and I was uh, p- pulled in for um, search and seizure then which they have a right to do they have a right to pull you in and and um, check your vehicle check your persons to see if you're smuggling anything into the country well this happened the one time and which was odd because I've been crossing every day. They know me. They know me probably better than they know their own siblings. And um, so this was uh, definitely out of the norm, though it was legal. Then the next next day, it happened again. And then um, uh, three or four days later, it happened again. And by the third time, I said, all right, I need to talk to your supervisors. You guys have red flagged my file for some reason what is going on. And long story short, we find out that that uh, off-duty officer had filed a complaint and uh, that I was illegally functioning outside of my cross-border work permit function. So I had to defend my role as a pastor and define my role as a pastor to the supervisors of the customs border office. Um, And intermittently, I still have to do that while the COVID restrictions are on. So so, so this has happened just on the Canadian side, then, if I understand you? Yes. So... uh, The U.S. the U.S. officers have been 100% uh, favorable. Uh, they've been professional, but they've also been personal. Uh, they recognize me. They're, they they know I'm not a threat, and they um, they make it easy for me to cross back and forth. Whereas the Canadian officers are instructed not to make it easy, obviously. That's 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 really that's, that's unfortunate here. Now, when this happened with with the off duty uh, the off duty law enforcement uh, officer, uh, did you tell him that that you were a Canadian citizen also, you had dual citizenship? Yes, yes, okay. yes. I gave him and the information. Want, and he still wanted to the problem. That. He still wanted to create problems because of course I was obviously. Also, I was li- living stateside. I was living stateside, and I had privileges that he didn't have. He couldn't go into the states as a police officer and visit family. 
without two weeks quarantine. So I had special privileges and I was exercising those special privileges and I believe it was just the green monster of envy. And so he was going to make sure he he uh, challenged me on those privileges. Yeah, you're uh, you're in that territory, you're in that context. You're probably right. The it's sad when stuff like this happens because, like you said, the people, you know, these people know you, and you, you could demonstrate you play by the rules. You're dual citizen. You had the authorization. But what you said is really, really uh, telling because what's happened uh, that they've told all of us that travel is now a privilege. When you talk about, you know, this is, I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, but just, just a little fact. When you talk about, both of us have noticed, and it's obvious, that the coordinated response to SARS-CoV-2's virus, COVID-19, it's, it's obviously been orchestrated at the international level. We go back over 100 years ago. Before the League of Nations, just over 100 years ago, there was no such thing as a passport. If you could get on a ship from China and you wanted to go to the States or Canada or, or wherever, you went. And every, every country would have their own system. It wasn't standardized about how they would deal with immigrants. Now, you fast forward to today, and you think about where we're at. Even the so-called communist countries use the same verification. And you have to wonder if, if there really isn't a higher-level coordination among the nations, why would China and Russia accept the same document accepted by the states? Just saying that in passing. That's all. That's just, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. But uh, they've, they've told us, they've convinced us then that rights are privileged. When I was early on, early on when this happened, it's like over a year ago, I, I'm not quick with my uh, smartphone. But I heard on public radio where I live in North Carolina, they were talking about the future of COVID. And they were saying, yeah, in the future, we could see a system whereby if there's flare-ups in one county in North Carolina, then uh, there might be restrictions to go from one county to another county. I'm thinking, in the United States of America, there's not only going to be restrictions between states, which there was, they're talking about down the, down the road, there's going to be restrictions to go from one county to another. It blew my mind, but they said it. Well, um, getting back on our point here, and that is worship in the church and how COVID is impacting the right, <laughs> the freedom to gather, freedom of worship, um, and freedom of speech. All of that is now, as you said, is, is now permission. It's not a right. Uh, and they've proven that, that, that that's, that's the facts. That's a facts, Jack. And if people don't understand that out of this, then you're putting your head in the sand. This, this, they have violated every one of these rights. In Canada, it's a charter of rights. In the uh, United States, it's the Constitution. But they have proven by their clear violation of them that they have the power to remove these rights. Well, then it's not a right at all, is it? No, no, it's a, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. Every every generation of Christians has had to face certain doctrinal and moral 
issues and matters that every generation has had to. And yeah, this idea of, of this, this pandemic, which is a pandemic, this has become our generation's greatest challenge, how, how to respond to that. So I just wanted to go through a couple of, couple of biblical issues. I'm sure you've thought about these in detail. And when I share this with you, again, I know you're, you're in the midst of the battle, and yeah, you've, yeah, you made those decisions. Yeah, you sacrificed to be where God wanted you to be. Uh, a lot of people obviously uh, did not do that. Sad to say it would appear that a simple majority have not done that in leadership, unfortunately. To me, when I look at how the Bible is involved, and you mentioned something that's very good. In other words, God creates uh, set to set a groundwork. God creates human government. Traditional or conservative biblical interpretation would say, what's the authority structures we have? The family, the church, and the state. And we see how the family's been decimated over the years. It's not a vacuum. One institution has become stronger. It's not the church. It's the state. It's the state. So we're not saying, I'm not saying, I don't believe you would say that the government doesn't have any authority. That wouldn't be biblical. However, I think what what you're saying, certainly, you know, what, what I, I think you're saying is that God's given, God created human government, but there's limits on the authority of that government. When I talk with a lot of Christians, uh, it appears that they've really adopted the position, you go into Romans 13, and they basically have, without saying this, they act as if whatever the government says they have to do. And I just try and get them to think and say, okay, brother, let's look at it this way. You have a wife, yeah. They say yes, okay. Now, if you tell your wife to watch pornography with you, uh, should she do that? Say, oh, well, no, no, no. If you told your wife to have an abortion, should she do that? No. Okay, so you are her head, you're her authority. That's legitimate. But there are limits if you tell her to do something wrong, yes. So here we are. Secular government was established by God, and now the government's telling us, we can't meet for worship, and the church, by definition, is an ecclesia, is an assembly. But we're supposed to do that. Uh, am I right? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, argued well, presented well. Um, I, I, I agree. I agree one hundred percent in your declaration. I think we have to qualify the application. That's all. Of course. Of course, absolutely. And the application absolutely. is going. The application is going to appear. Well, the application is going to be different in China than it is United States. Than it is um, the stands. Than it is Turkey. Than it is Russia. Than it is Canada. But the principle is 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 clearly you know render unto Caesar things are Caesar's. Render unto God things are God. It's very clear that the church needs to understand that has absolutely no right to violate God's commands. But because the society is adulterous and the church is Laodicean, and I'm saying when I say the church, I'm saying the church as whole in North America. Right, right. Um, uh, then they've adopted a new hermeneutic. And the new hermeneutic allows them uh, to manipulate the text to be culturally relevant and cultural relevant, uh, 
being culturally relevant trumps literal interpretation of the text. And, and that's going on, and many of the churches can't even articulate what's going on. But you look at woke. What, if, what are churches doing even considering woke within the church? You know, social justice within the church. I know that. I'm right? in, I mean, I, mean, I don't. Right, of course. I don't want to get distracted from a, you know, the, yeah, what we're saying. Go ahead. So my, my look, connecting the dots mm-hmm. is you have leadership that can very comfortably manipulate the text uh, with a clear conscience and um, and move forward. Now you got the other extreme. You have those who through a through a strained hermeneutic and put more weight that can bear on do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as a as a manner is and so much more as you see the the day approaching that text really doesn't say how many times you have to gather it, it's not talking about it doesn't give the exact instruction on the gathering it is you can't have an attitude of negligence towards the gathering and I think I think we can all argue. We can all stand. I don't. I didn't. I mean, I can't imagine any pastor uh, looking back in this last year that could that wouldn't say COVID has been a tool for the Christian community to neglect the priority of the assembly. I think that's in how America. I mean, that has been neglected. This by the majority of the church, has it not? It, it, it has, it has, but I just, I just nuanced a couple of things. I just, I just, well, yeah, to, to supplement what you're saying and give you some clarity as far as what, what I'm seeing in, in my neck of the woods. Uh, the government clearly had an agenda, and it's just like me. I mean, I'm working at home. Uh, at first, I didn't like it. Now I do. But that's not a moral issue, in other words working at home, I'm doing the same work, unless my work was wrong. I mean, the moral is not. The idea has, that's been communicated to the church has been you could just go to church online, and it's the same thing. I was sharing with a brother, a sharp young man who's uh, trained for the ministry, and he was telling me that you know the church we were in at the time, I've since uh, I've since departed, uh, he said, well, you know, we should have they should have baptisms online. I said, brother, you, you can't, you can't do that. It's, it's not going to be biblical. You, you can't, you can't be alone with five people in the church. I mean, our church is around 400. You can't have that on video that that someone gets baptized and think that the other people. That's, that, I mean, it's a public thing. It's a public thing. Right. And obviously, he didn't argue. You can't do communion. So. Yeah, these are the ordinances, and again, I, you know, your point might be it doesn't say how often we're supposed to break bread. Uh, I, I take, you know, I, I like, I'd like to do it once a week. You know, the church I'm in does it once a week. Uh, I like that, but, you know, that's not, you know, that's not, I wouldn't die over that. But the point is you can't do it at all if you're not meeting. So a lot well, of the churches, you or, say, or you, or, or you can't do it yeah. at all, Rocco, if, if you're in compliance even when you do meet because that that's spreading COVID absolutely. because you know yeah. you know you, uh, you, so you stole absolutely. my thunder you stole my thunder the church the church I left was requiring everyone to enter one 
two, the, the same set of doors, practice social distancing so there'd be no fellowship. Everyone had had the temperature taken. They were sitting in alternating rows, and there was no singing initially. And they, they had, you well, can I, heard. Can I, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> can I share? Uh, here is what I told our people, and I believe this is a biblical thing to do. Number one, I am not an extension arm of the government. Baptists believe in separation of church and state. No, they used and that, to. Uh, I am not. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, I mean, we historically, do. you and I do. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I said I refuse to be an extension arm of Amen. of the government, and you are all adults. Amen. You make up your own mind which COVID you're going to comply with and what not. And when you come to worship, if you need to wear a mask, that's your business. You don't want to touch somebody, that's your business. You want to hug somebody and kiss somebody, that's your business. I am not going to play uh, interrupt worship with with a uh, imposed um, rubric on the church that has nothing to do with with the church. Um, so, so I I told them, and then and then the other thing I told them was this, and you need to man up. If we get covered, if we get caught, and and uh, don't expect the church to pay your fine. You are the church. You pay your fine. You chose with conviction to come, and I think you chose the right thing. But then, don't expect bailout uh, when you get charged for violating COVID. And then I said to them, how many of you, if you were driving down the road for an emergency, your wife called you and needed you, and the police couldn't get there in time, and she needed to get to the doctors, how many of you would break the speed limit to get there? Oh, yeah, yeah, we'd do that. Okay. And you, and the police follows you all the way to the hospital and then gives you a fine for speeding. Could he legally do that? Well, yeah, he could. Well, should you stop speeding then? No. I would still write the speed. I said, same idea with this COVID. You need Amen. to recognize there's a higher good, there's a higher authority, and you need to obey the higher authority. Yeah, I, I so, agree. And uh, I agree. Go ahead. So what I'm saying is I'm not here to judge every other church, but I am here to lead my church and call them to biblical obedience. And forsaking the assembly, the assembly is very clearly uh, the coming together in person. And this is the inerrant, inspired word of God. The all-knowing God wrote that that way, had us had it inscripturated that way, knowing that in 2021 there would be an Internet phase called and, and a desire to call it church. But he declared assemble physically together. That must be done. Amen. And, Amen. and too many, I agree with you, too many churches were willing not, not to do it. Now, I do believe you have to show grace to a government, and we showed grace by complying for the first three weeks first two months I think we complied to allow them to get their head on straight but when it became evident that this was an overreaction and that they had no end in sight on their restrictions then we met together with our men we prayed and we uh, stood before our church family and said we're going to assemble you, you decide we're going to 
And the Lord protected us. Not every church got protected. There's pastors being arrested. Um, But we have been protected, and uh, we have not been visited uh, by officers, though two churches in our area were. Amen. Amen. Just a curious question. When you started meeting, was that before or after uh, MacArthur came to essentially the same conclusion you did? Oh, <laughs> I You're have no sure. idea. I really okay. don't. I'm not, not a follower of MacArthur. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not, a, I'm not an anti-MacArthur, right, but I, I'm, I certainly, I'm certainly I a pioneer, and I make my decisions based upon our, our church family. And, and um, so I'm really not sure if it was in concert. <laughs> but I do, want to make, I do want to make it very clear that our decision was based upon the Scriptures, not based upon the Constitution of America. That, yeah. they, that that we have a right. If the, the, here's the difference in Canada. If you're going to make the stand in Canada, the Charter of Rights at the bottom declares that in state of emergency that all rights are revoked. They have the right to revoke your rights, which is <laughs> funny, I, ironic. So we had to calculate, look, we will not win this in court. If we get, if they take us and they find me or they want to put us in jail... They can do that, um, and they are within their governmental rights, whereas in America, the Constitution is supposed to be uh, the final say, and that's being tested and has been tested, and uh, I think it's coming out to the church's favor, but we didn't have that in Canada. We knew that yeah. if we take the stand, we have no legal defense. I hear you. I, I, I think with, with a lot of, I don't want to misspeak, I think with a lot of the court things, even on the Canadian side of the border, uh, I know it, it could be different in provinces that come down to, you know, what, how they view it, even though is the, is the, is the I think what a lot of it comes down to, is the emergency powers legitimate if they do it, and then what was it more restrictive right here in the States? Um, the way it's happened legally, I don't want to go down this rabbit trail, but after 9-11, you might remember, uh, there were some anthrax sent to a couple of schools. Do you remember that way back? Yes. That, that's yes. how or not. Okay. All right. After that happened, uh, over 30 states, someone, there's two major organizations that really write a lot of state legislation. One of them wrote this state emergency, like medical, I call it a medical martial law bill that are over 30 states uh, signed off on back years ago. And they basically said in terms of if there is a health crisis, whatever defined ambiguous by the state, then the governor will have these executors. In the states, though, it is a little more complex because for most governors to have to do that, there still has to be contingent upon a federal emergency being declared. Trump did that, and obviously he didn't rescind that when he left office, so that triggered the power of a lot of the governors to do that. However, in the states, it is still more, we still have an old layer of protection. Like in North Carolina, we have, every state has their own constitution. So in our state constitution, we have, you know, the right to assemble for free speech. So the idea that the governor can make a mandate that would violate the state constitution is absurd. And, you know, some states have, have pushed back, some haven't. Uh, what you said, your reasoning tonight, Pastor Shane, is really precisely what MacArthur did. I could send you his statement. He basically, when you look at his preaching and teaching throughout the years, he was very strong in you know, submitting to the power of the state. I mean, almost excessively so. When this happened with COVID, 
he had a spiritual crisis because he had to decide, well, do do I continue to trust the state regardless, regardless of contradictory evidence I'm seeing, or do I do what I believe is completely right? And he came down the right side. I was praying for him. I'm not saying that's why he repented. But he said essentially what you said. He said, we do have the Constitution here, but we're making our stand ultimately upon Scripture. And he, and he said he said a lot of neat things in that statement. He said, how could we in good conscience in America send missionaries to China knowing that they're violating the law to fulfill the Great Commission, and then we could claim we're in God's will, I'm paraphrasing, and then not meet ourselves? <laughs> right, right, right. And, and the other thing... The other thing, Rocco, you know me as a pastor that I have gone into close countries illegally mm-hmm. uh, to preach the gospel, mm-hmm. and uh, and and what what gives me the moral high ground to do that? Well, because the, the Bible has instructed me to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Therefore, um, I have that that uh, ethical uh, obligation uh, to violate government restriction on the gospel in foreign foreign powers and uh, but I don't have the right to expect that God is going to somehow every time keep me keep me from the uh, persecution of that evil regime well well said well said I, I would say our obligation in our respective countries is even greater because when you go to other countries, you know, I know some missionaries had a friend years ago. He went in on a student visa to get to India because India doesn't say you can't enter as a missionary. They just put your visa application in limbo. But in our cases here in the States and in Canada, you know, if you're openly going to a church, pastor or non-pastor, I mean, to then say, well, now we can't worship because the state tells us not to. Uh, it was ridiculous. MacArthur also said, exact, really very similar to what you said, when he looked at the evidence hardcore, he goes, there is no pandemic. He goes, this is not a public health crisis. And the other thing that really bothers me with a lot of Christians is that if we're going to trust the state to make these decisions, how, how does the state have this moral authority? How do they have that? Apart from abortion, you look at the decisions they've made with the ventilators. That resulted in and a lot of people dying. You look at the decision that the governors of California and Michigan made to basically quarantine people in nursing homes that caused lots of people to die. So to me, it's absurd, especially for a Christian pastor, to say, well, I'm going to defer to the moral authority of a government that has shown absolutely no uh, moral discernment. It, it makes no sense. Um, well, I think I think um, I think the uh, pastors need to know, stay in their wheelhouse, and um, I guess my point being is I don't care what government decides. I have my mandates, and I will thank God that I have the freedom without consequence. For as long as it lasts, but I don't, I don't test the waters of government before I make any decisions for spiritual leadership in the church. 
and it seems like I think that's your frustration. It seems like that's what some of our Christian leaders did. They became pragmatic oh. to the Word of God. Absolutely. As uh, as the as the pressures of government came down upon them. But again, the illustration of the church, and I'm no longer in for, for these reasons and others, they followed whatever the CDC said. And so they just check out the CDC, what they say about about transgender. Uh, yeah, see how moral they are. Yet all of a sudden, when it comes to this, when it comes to this imaginary, and yeah, imaginary if not highly exaggerated virus, then all of a sudden they have they have the moral integrity. They they have the wisdom. It's it's very very sad. Uh, it's, it's, it's terribly sad. A few biblical principles I uh, just wanted to share with you, see what you have to think. When you look at quarantine in the Bible, Old Testament principle, only the sick were quarantined, never the healthy. This was, this was a historical aberration where they said, no, the healthy have to be quarantined. It's, I mean, it made no sense. made absolutely no sense. No, no, no. I, I mean... But let's get back to let's get back to government church um, mm-hmm. and, and that and that incredible balance that we have to manage in I like the way I like to process it is if I were in a total communist regime um, I, I truly believe this that bad governance is better than no governance because that's how God sets it up I, I agree um, I agree and so we are moving we've had the luxury of okay governance and covid is should be alarming to every pastor out there because i don't think we're going to have that luxury anymore i think we're going to have bad governance towards christianity from this point forward i really do i think it's going to be a well, i don't know if it's going to be a slow spiral down or or well, let me let me interject i think you're right for this reason because the government has seen that Christian leaders have been cowards and have capitulated. The nature of, of government, the sinful nature of man will be, they will continue to push for more and more and more and more. If the majority of the church had stood up, it would have been far better, but they didn't. So, of course, the government's going to try and test the resolve again, of course. Yeah, so you and I are not liberation theologists. We don't believe in liberation theology. We don't believe that we're here to reform this society for the entrance of, of the Messiah. We don't believe we're to moralize society. We're, we're to give them the gospel. We believe that we're sojourners, that, that we're pilgrims. You know, we don't have our tent poles down. We don't, we're, not, we're not staked into this world. And I, what I'm, I, honestly, what I am fearful of there's been a lot of decisions made on the basis of citizenry on this earth rather than citizenry in heaven. Or, or dare I say, fear of man more than fear of God? <laughs> which, which I would, you know, which would imply there's a whole lot more investment in citizenship yep. on earth than in heaven. And yep. who cares if I lose? Who cares if by obedience... I lose my $2 million building. I mean, if by obedience, yeah. should it even, should should we be doing a cost-benefit analysis on obedience now? Amen. 
Appreciate. <laughs> I think, but I think it's I think it's being done. Um, yeah. Now, it's not as cut and dry as you know. It's easy to talk about, you know, the theory of and um, and and take certain case studies and you know manipulate it to our favor and whatnot. There isn't there's a real strain here because the the government did not isolate and separate and persecute just the Christian. These rules, the hardship was as much on the the bar owner as it was the gym owner as it was the church. It was indiscriminate. So to call it Christian persecution, I I I'm not comfortable with that with that well, type of rhetoric. Well, let me say a different angle. Part part of the nature of government and the corruption is that they chose winners and losers. And this is yeah, a lot of more Stu Pashas pointing this out. How could it be? How could the government say it's okay for a Target or Home Depot or Walmart to be open? and had people coming in that all day, but I can't meet with my church and 75 people. So it was, it would, they did discriminate, uh, and yeah, they wanted to crush little business, I mean small businesses. Uh, so for it was persecution in the sense that, yes, it didn't involve exclusively the Christians, but uh, no doubt, I mean, they think about these things. No doubt they were thinking about the fact that, yeah, uh, Think about the, go, going back to the size of church too, the size of, of businesses. They said the big guys, the big corporations, you know, your Targets, your Costco, they were okay, but they didn't have any waivers, you know, as for any mega churches. So it was all churches. Nah, that's that's off limits. So it was it wasn't focused persecution, but any time the state infringes upon our rights, even if it involves the rights of others. Uh, it, it is a form of persecution, and and I'd also say you kind of leads to a point I wanted to ask you about or mention from the Bible. A lot of Christians seem to have been missed the fact that God created work before sin entered the world. So then God created human government after sin occurred. So for then God's institution of human government to say, "No, we're in a position to say some of you can't work," is completely wicked. Completely wicked. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. Look, look. I mean, I was all over that and telling our people, you have a Amen. mandate to provide for your family. You have a mandate Amen. from God. If you will not work, you should not eat. The government is not to be your provider. And, Amen. Uh, and if you have to work in violation of the law, you feel free to do so because God has given you that that right and responsibility to go and do so. Um, and let me just give you a background story on that and why I have such conviction sure. in that area. There were um, when I grew up in in the area I grew up, with, we were commercial fishermen, and uh, and the uh, fisheries came down hard on uh, quotas and stuff that were uh, basically starving out fishermen, um, and and the fishermen clearly recognized, look, this is a this is an overstep and of uh, of my responsibility, and I will go and I will provide for my family. And they and they did. They 
and they were being chased around by, uh, you know, fisheries officers and whatnot and felt absolutely um, justified in doing so because they were provided for their families. And there's a, there's a practical, and this was secular, some were Christian fishermen and some were not. But even the basic um, image of God-bearing in the unregenerate recognizes, hey, it's my responsibility to provide for my own, and uh, the government has no right to intervene in that. And, uh, yeah, it was incredible government overreach in that aspect. And, um, praise the Lord, our people continue to work, and we were not hurt in one way, shape, or form that way. We were very blessed that way, but um, we were definitely telling our people, don't stay home. Get out there and work. Amen. Now, it, it, is it me? I, I don't want to basically sound, I don't want to be sensationalistic, but you and I are having a conversation now on an Internet talk radio show. How many, how many national Christian leaders basically just said what you and I just said? I don't know. I, I can't. I can't think one. Maybe MacArthur to some degree, when he, you know, when he he recanted. But uh, and I, I should I should you know, say that clearly. When he got to the conviction that you did, he didn't meet for a while, and then again when he came to the conclusion that it wasn't a pandemic, and as you said, there was absolutely no plans <laughs> for the state of California to open up again. He said we're meeting. That's right. Uh, with his with his elders with his elders, uh, we talked about we talked about the mandate to meet. Uh, we talked about communion and baptism. Do we see any any instance in the New Testament where something would happen where believers were told not to assemble as a local church? Well, we have we we have Paul and and Peter being told not to preach the gospel. Um, and, and uh, <clears throat> they didn't hesitate on their answer, did they? No, we should obey God rather than man. And most conservative uh, evangelicals, fundamentalists, know that verses, but they had a problem applying it into the situation. It's it's fascinating again, just reading through the New Testament, and we see in First Corinthians seven. I'll read a few verses, twenty six to twenty eight. Eight. We see this. I suppose, therefore that this is good because of the present distress. We're not sure what that was. I suppose, therefore, that this is good because of the present distress. It is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you bound to a wife? Do not seek to be loosed. Are you loose from a wife? Do not seek a wife. But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. Uh, there, Paul seems to be saying that in that situation, then in Corinth at the time, there was this distress, and he was saying, yeah, it, it might be good if you don't get married for the time being. But he never said, fascinating, wherever that distress was, he never said, you know, you really shouldn't meet together. You really shouldn't meet together for corporate worship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, I will give you, I'll give you a, an incident, and now we're dealing with Old Testament economy, New Testament economy, okay. and you and I would claim to be dispensationalists. But as you go to Ezra, and you've got Darius coming, and you've got the government powers jealous of um, – Ezra rebuilding the temple, and he gets he gets it shut down. Um, yeah, Darius shuts shuts it down, and and then there's an appeal process, and um, Darius goes back into 
the um, the archives and finds that no, no, um, they they were given under our Artaxerxes but the right and command to to rebuild the temple under the expense of of uh, Artaxerxes, and, and so they began to rebuild. So. There you have an interesting working with the government, delayed for a period of time, and then and, and then uh, going back to rebuild. Um, you have disruption of the church throughout. Um, you have Daniel again. You have Daniel who's not able to assemble because he's been captured and taken into a foreign country, but he is still. Um, maintaining his individual which, which is an amazing thing these individual dispersed believers jewish believers who are maintaining their fellowship with god without the law uh from memory um the grace of god through all of that so it's, we do have old testament cases where it was but here's the difference where it was taken out of their hands um and they had no control over those circumstances and so they they honored God as best they could with the resources they had at, 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 at that time. You take you take the you take the believers who are dispersed in a persecuted country who can meet by code, you know, maybe once a month, maybe once uh, every six months. Um, but the desire is to meet. And, and these are extreme scenarios and extreme situations, but they're real situations that I know of personally. Um, the, you know, the desire is to assemble, and but the, but they have to do it in such a way not to draw attention or raise the ire of the government that that is that is in charge at, at the time. So. I guess what I'm saying there is the parallel would be, I think John MacArthur was right, as I think I was right, to give the government time to show show its cards, if, if, if you will. But once the cards were shown that there was no desire to understand and respect the call of God to assemble, then we're done. And we better be willing to pay the price. And I think what frustrates you is, when it came to that point for the churches you were a part of, they were willing they weren't going willing they weren't willing to pay the price and they weren't willing to see that this is a mandate from God to assemble. Uh yeah, yeah, and and it's also uh, and also I, I think I had mentioned another thing that uh I think corrupted the the leadership of that church was that they accepted uh the magic money from the federal government over four hundred thousand dollars for the Christian day school. So that may have also uh, corrupt, yeah, you know, influenced how they felt. As far as Ezra, I, you know, I agree with what you said. As far as they were in a position where they they were forced into that, but with Ezra again, because we're dispensationalist, there's a distinction between uh, the spiritual Israel and the church. So then it was combination of civil authority. It wasn't just a religious thing. And with Daniel, like you said, he was individual. You know, God placed him there in the province. And that whole the whole context again is they were driven from the land because it was a nation state because of disobedience and then they were reassembled uh what you said too about the government i agree when you see what they're saying you give them the benefit of the doubt it comes to the point though now it's very very sad that we have learned that uh we should not trust 
government authorities. And I, sh- I shared one about uh, to share with you with my previous pastor. In, in the U.S. Constitution, I'm not sure, you know, with Canadian uh, charter rights and all, but in the U.S. Constitution, there's nothing about health care. It's not there. There's nothing about health care in the North Carolina Constitution. Yet we've accepted things like, you know, Medicare in the States, Medicaid. Now it's Obamacare, things like that. So if you get to the point where, number one, you have to realize the highest law of the land is the Constitution. So they've made a lot of laws that have no basis in the highest law of the land, number one. Number two, the state cannot be trusted with your health. The founders, people who wrote the Constitution, were very, very clear about that. Jefferson said, if you trust the state with your health, I'm paraphrasing, you, you could be guaranteed to end up, end up extremely sick. Uh, and with what we're seeing now, when they, when they do that, it ultimately comes down to, hey, uh, even if the government were experts and they're not, Again, what what says scripture? What what does the Bible say? In the example I'm thinking about, yeah, in the early yeah, in the 20th century, about 40 years ago, President Ford, there was an outbreak of swine flu in Fort Dix, New Jersey, and then President Ford basically through that one person died. President Ford said the entire country has to get a swine flu vaccine. So, the president made an edict, and people started getting the swine flu vaccine. Lo and behold. Uh, people start to get Guillain-Barre disease, which paralyzes you. It's a nerve disease. And about 30 people or more died, and they stopped it after they started. So let's compare what happened then. The president made a mandate, wasn't constitutional, for everyone to get vaccinated. The people, it happened, the people who took it, uh, many of them became paralyzed, and over 30 died. Yet when it was all over, only one person actually dies from the swine flu. The experts then said that was the best thing to do. Now fast forward in our context. Why should anyone, especially a Christian with discernment, trust the government to make decisions about their health? Makes no sense. No. And, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's battle the extremes, okay? So you have the Jehovah's Witness and no blood transfusions and when their life is on the line. And the well, government coming in to intervene for a child because a child cannot yeah. make a decision for himself. And we're not saying this, right, Rocco? You're not saying that. But, but what well, you are cause, saying is, cause, hold cause, it. Because I'm not a Jehovah's Witness we and the, I'm not against blood transfusions. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but the point is we would support the rights of those families to decide, though, even though it seems yes. extreme. Yes, absolutely. You and I would support the – we would say they're wrong in their decision, but we don't have the authority to intervene in that family because we respect absolutely. the authority God has placed in the family. Absolutely. Government absolutely. now wants to usurp – the government wants to usurp that authority of the family. And like you said, yeah. I think you said astutely in, in your opening that when the family is – decimated as it is in North America, it creates a void, a vacuum, a power vacuum, and it's certainly not the church that's going to suck that and absorb that. It's definitely the government. And, and, and the families are giving it over. I mean, happy to give it over. I mean, Biden coming in and wants to take your kid and two years old now, and, and they're fighting for the opportunity to do it. Families are doing it. I mean, it's, I'll tell you what, that that. That's a rabbit hole I could go down, and I'm a little frustrated about it. Yeah. Well, the, 
the thing is, what we're seeing is that as a lot of people learn, yeah, by God's grace, you came out of this on the right side. By God's grace, John MacArthur came out of this on the right side. And there's some other, there's some other big churches. Uh, there's a Calvary Chapel. I can't remember the name in California. And, you know, they continued to meet. The pastor providentially had been on the city council, so he was astute as far as, you know, the work as a government. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's been some bigger churches that have continued to meet. And obviously, California, it was very austere, probably maybe New York was probably worse than Michigan. But right now, if the churches, the churches have been given a wake-up call, and I'm just concerned we should only fear uh, God, not man. But I, I am concerned that a lot of people God is looking at as shepherds, and a lot of the shepherds haven't figured out that they failed the first time. When you talk about the family, this is a real example you may have heard. Someone with the world, from the World Health Organization, which obviously said no authority in your government or mine, said at one point people, and if someone in your family had COVID-19, they'd have to be quarantined, they'd have to, they'd have to be taken out. Then about a month or so later, someone in Ventura, California, the health guru, whatever administrator, the local type Fauci, uh, basically said in a metrosexual voice, if someone is ill in your family and you're not, we'll, we'll have to take that person out of your home and we'll make sure that they're cared for, that they have what they need. And the backlash against that was, was phenomenal. And then immediately, with, within a week or so, the guy said, I really didn't mean, I really didn't say what I said. I really didn't say that. But the point is, down the road, I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet. Uh, down the road, we are going to see more steer measures, and they're going to have, they're going to forcibly want to quarantine people, and they're going to want to take people out of their homes. And if these pastors now have basically just said, look, uh, whatever the government says, that's where I'm going to obey. Are they going to obey it when children are getting ripped out of their homes? I, well, I'd like to well, think. I will say, I have interviewed some of these pastors. I've interviewed some of these pastors who have made different decisions than, than myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I do, you know, I, I, I believe I have the gift of faith, Rocco, and meaning the gift of faith meaning I'm able to trust God's rules and just just obey and let the cards fall where they may and know that God's got control. Growing up as a uh, living on the ocean and having having a lost brother at sea and lost a first cousin at sea and in search and rescue and knowing the power of the ocean and knowing that if I survive, it's because God said you're going to survive, not because you have the power over the ocean. Um, that was my beginning uh, introduction to the, the the grace and the sovereignty of God and the power of God and that I could trust him. And and, I, uh, and I'm good good to trust him with the details so I don't have much difficulty stepping out by faith and saying, hey, we're just going to do this. Well, what about this? No, no. What if, no, 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 no. I never ask that question. The question I ask is, is it obedient? And that's the only question I've got to ask. Am I obedient? And if I'm obedient, I don't ask the what ifs. And but, but some of these guys, as they looked at it, they were like, yeah, they're kind of on the line. They kind of haven't violated the forsaken the assembly because they're still allowing us to assemble, you know, in 10 and 15, and then we can be creative, and we'll have a 10 pod here and a 10 pod there and a 10 pod there, and we will bring them physically. And 
and whatnot, and they tried to comply, and they feel that they were in compliance. I can't answer to their conscience, but I do know that every one of those guys were saying, look, if they if they say that we cannot assemble at all, that's, we're just not going to. That that's the line in the sand, and I, I and I want to believe I, I want to believe that I, why I, I you know love, I hope so. love believes all things love hopes all things right right and this, I, I if hope they so. are true ministers I, of God if they're true ministers of God we owe that to them right God knows everyone's obviously He knows their motives we don't but let me just throw this out to me yeah. if you think government has the moral authority as as a minister of the gospel to say the whole church can't assemble. And they have the moral authority to tell you, you can't. You have to stay six feet away from someone so you can't baptize them. Uh, I don't see. It's hard to believe that they're, that they're just going to have an epiphany that if they say, well, you can't meet at all, and then all of a sudden, what are they going to do? Are they going to meet with ten people then when they say you can't meet? I mean, you see what I'm saying? Is that they've already compromised? I think it is sin. I, I just, I, I do think it is sin. Uh, God's, God's been very clear. And again, when MacArthur came down on this, he said essentially what you said. There is a constitutional basis, but that's not why we're doing this. We're doing this because God tells us to meet. God, God tells us yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Not, so not part agree, of the church. You would agree that not our, part of the church. You, you, would agree that, <laughs> you would agree that we're doing this out of obedience to God, not out of uh, uh, a civil disobedience to to um keep the purity of the United States Constitution and to keep uh, the, the country of the United States to honor the blood of the of the of the fallen soldiers and uh, you know a lot a lot of high and patriotic uh, reasons that we could be pushing this but I don't think they're our biblical I don't think they they are what should be motivating us I think what motivates us is no God has commanded us to do this whatever country we're in. Absolutely. That, that's the highest motivation. But because we are blessed with these, with these liberties that are documented, they should be used. Paul used his, his uh, advantage right. as a Roman citizen, I believe, in Philippi. And a lot of people ignore, the, ignore that. I mean, he, they, wanted to, they wanted to leave quietly. He says, no, no, you beat me. That's and right. I was a Roman citizen. That's and right. they were terrified. I'm sure you know the background. What yep. I'm about to say, they were terrified because the Rome could have come in and destroyed that colony. The Roman citizen had a lot more citizens than the citizens of the Canada or the states. I'll tell you that. <laughs> yeah, and, and he and and that's a wonderful uh, matrix or whatever you'd like, whatever you'd like to title it. Uh, uh, I don't think that I don't think that was just descriptive. I think it was prescriptive on how we're going to, how we have the right to use government laws uh, to uh, defend our uh, call to continue in the church. And I, taking the government to court, go for it. You know, um, absolutely. And, uh, in Can- in Canada, we're, you know, there's, uh, it's happening. But the problem is, uh, these Canadian pastors interpreted it as they had these rights. And they they are not rights. They're 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 it's permission. It's yeah. hermits. It's not rights. Mm-hmm. And that's that's sad. And I wish it were. Uh, I wish they were unalienable rights. Inalienable rights. But um, that's not the case. And um, 
I don't know of a case yet in Canada that has ruled in favor of the church or the pastors. What what happened with that uh, that Polish pastor because he was freed? Is that still pending? Because I know he was arrested and he was freed. Okay. Yeah, that's still pending. But I did hear that uh, Pastor Coates lost his his um, court case, and so he'll have to pay fines. That's the Reformed Baptist guy, right? I think. Uh, that's that's the Grace, the graduate of uh, Grace Theological Seminary in MacArthur. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. that one. Yep. Right. So he I lost his all... case, and 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 now he has to fight to get his building back because they confiscated his building too. So th- there's the other thing. It's like, you know, well, well, we got these buildings, and we got all this money invested in these buildings, and this is God's church, and it's God's church, and and when they're saying it's God's church, they're thinking it's God's God's building. It's like no. No, God's church is the people, and uh, you better be willing to let your buildings go in order to be obedient to Christ, because this whole attachment to the material investments, well, it's biblical stewardship to Jesus, we've got to hang on. You better hold it loosely and be, be willing to let it uh, burn, because uh, the right to assemble is is God ordained and God commanded? And that may be we're assembling in the trees somewhere. Um, right. You know, the fighting for the buildings. We shouldn't be putting our hopes on that. And I truly believe it's going to get. It's going to get there for some of us. There are no church buildings in the New Testament. <laughs> that was a later development. <laughs> it, right. Right. Yep. It, if all and, the and, pastors. And my, my friends in Kazakhstan and Turkmenistan and whatnot, they're, they're meeting in fields and they're meeting in uh, undisclosed places. It's like guerrilla warfare. They're very strong because they can adjust to every circumstance. We may get, we may get there. We may. We may. I, I just, I, I don't want to be overly critical, but if the majority pastors in the states and Canada just refuse to obey, the churches would be so much stronger, and I think a lot of the governments would back down because there's just too many people, there's too many churches to harass. But when the majority capitulate, when the majority do go along and capitulate to the tyranny, it's very easy to then pick off, you know, those people. It's like whack-a-mole. It's easy to see. Yeah, yeah. But if the majority were standing up, very, very hard to, very hard to suppress them all. Very hard. You know, I agree, I agree with that, but I also, you know, that's idealistic and that's wishful thinking, obviously, because we're looking in the rear view mirror and it didn't happen. Um, no, no, it did but, not. But, but what, you know, uh, I would love to have an opportunity to see churches, pastors get together. And I've said this, I, I, I said this from the beginning, the time... It, it's already. It's too late to fight in the courts now. Everybody is running in panic mode. Everybody, uh, the time to secure these rights is after the crisis. And now you better spend a whole lot of time in uh, legislative efforts. The church now needs to unite and learn from what took place and work hard and unite together. Uh, to make sure it never happens again. I, I think they can be proactive about this. I think they can learn from it 
But like you said, if they don't admit they've done anything wrong, they're not going to learn from it, are they? No, no. And like I say, I, I don't want to be, you know, harsh, harsher brethren who are ministering in the field. But I, I just, to me, it just, I don't want to oversimplify it. But if you're not going to stand now, if you're going to, if you're going to believe, if you interpret the Bible, that the government says only 10% can come together and you think that's pleasing God's sight, I just don't see a stand being taken if they say, you can't meet it all. I just, I don't see it happening. I, I hope yeah, I'm wrong. I understand. Maybe, maybe God no. will use that yep. to then energize people, to then shake them, to basically uh, make them see that they were wrong. I don't know. Well, what I found a very, very disheartening is the Christians who took their cues from the 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock news to determine their spiritual responses to whether they're going to come to church or not. Because I had church that, that open. Your, of course. I had church open. And because <laughs> because I was not enforcing the mask mandate, because I wasn't enforcing it, I had members within my church have not been in my church for a year. Now we're into a new phase. Now that they can come, uh, and they're not going to come until there's 80% of the vaccination. And we're in a new phase. Our pastors are going to have to say, okay, who, who's put on the uh, disciplinary roles to be dis, uh, removed from the church for refusal to attend? <laughs> yeah. In, in the States, a lot of churches would avoid that because they've, they've gotten the out with the technology. So they've given people a pass because they were telecasting. But I, I mean, I, I agree with you. If the church is an assembly and you know, people didn't have that option, I mean, it, it's just sad. I mean, because the whole vaccine thing, I, I just go back to President Ford, the swine flu. Uh, you really don't want to trust the government when they tell you to take something. You really don't. No, that's right. Absolutely, I, and, and you don't want to be conspiracy theorists, but but the point is, um, government is a human institution, and uh, it is a secular institution, and it is not a spirit-led. And who is the prince and power of this earth? It is Satan. Yes, God allows uh, or uses these these instruments, but they are driven by a satanic force. They're not driven by. Uh, a holy agenda. So, why why would you trust it? Why would you? <laughs> if, if if anyone saved the lost wants to discuss the vaccine with me, and while I'll never take it, I'll say simply: number one, this is technology that's never been used on humans. Number two, they skipped the animal trials. Number three, when they did animal trials with ferrets and cats, they all died. Number four, this is not this is not approved. This is an emergency authorization. Hey, you want to go get it now? Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Now, I, that brings me into a dilemma as a cross-border worker. What if they do a, a, a passport vaccination passport and impose that? Now I have to decide, Lord, will you protect me from the ramification? Because my mandate is to go and preach the gospel. And, and, you have, and I believe you have sent me to Canada to do so. Um, so I'm going to, my wife and I are going to be, could be put into a dilemma. Uh, do we take that and trust God to protect us? And can God protect us? Uh, yeah, he can. Um, is it against our better judgment to take it? Yeah, it is. Um, 
but is there a higher cause and a higher calling? Well, you know, there, these are the things, the wisdom calls that are going to come into the future for men like you and I who say, no, this is not a good thing. This vaccine, for all the reasons you just stated, is not wise stewardship of, of the temple of the Holy Ghost. But we may need, <laughs> I may need God to, to uh, intervene and, and, and give me protection because I'm accepting it not on the grounds of my salvation from the vaccine but or from the uh, virus, but on the grounds of, of uh, greater access to give the gospel. Amen. As far as the legality, uh, there's a lot of talk right now, at least in the States. Uh, employers, anyone that has forced anyone to do it, has pretty much lost when they're either threatened with a lawsuit uh, or sued because it's still not approved yet. It's only emergency use authorization. That's why even in the U.S. military, they cannot mandate you to take it yet. So in Canada, I don't know if you have that layer of protection or not, but a lot of people have tried to intimidate people in the States, but it, it, you can't do it yet. Now, once it's approved, then it will be easier to coerce exception. But right now, in the States, it's, you can't force anyone. I have not been able to research this, Rocco, but it was it was uh, told to me by one of the families within my church that the, the school board is now... Uh, or that, that that Canada has uh, changed the law so that a 12-year-old can make up his own mind uh, to receive the vaccine or not. Does not Excellent have point. to. Re- Excellent point. Does not have to report to his parents. In in, in so, the state of North Carolina, in the state of North Carolina, if you're a child, you can you can take you can take the COVID what I would call a bioweapon, without your parents' permission to. It's, just, it's insane. It's absolutely That's insane. Disgusting. It is. I agree. And this, this, and this family is um, considering sending their kids to stateside to avoid that. Because what kid, what 12-year-old is going to stand up to the peer pressure uh, the you know the school nurse and the principal come in saying you, you're going to die if you don't take this and your parents are just wrong and you know you you have good parents but you know what don't you want to be there to take care of your parents? <laughs> That's just one of many many other reasons why yeah the government school system should be rejected. <laughs> I agree, but but um, we've had Christians living in much much more dire governments than than this. And um, we are overcomers, and the Lord will give us wisdom, and we will overcome. Um, Praise God for that. Uh, And, uh, you know, I'm a grandfather now, and I look through the eyes of my grandsons and granddaughter. I've got 10 years of of, uh, equipping them mentally, biblically, theologically, um, for their generation, because they're going to have to take a whole different stand than you and I had to. Yes, that's true. So that's where my burden is is moving to. Is like what? Obviously, they're not going to get the Canada or the United States that you and I grew up in. No. They're, they're getting something that's a whole whole different thing. 
and uh, and it's changing at such a rapid pace. Yeah. Even even Obama was against was against same sex marriage. Remember? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, once you got the votes, he he flipped on that one real quick. But um, yeah, no. Um, looking forward, we're going to need divine wisdom to navigate the bizarre manifestations of Satan. Amen. Amen. Well, I, I appreciate you coming on. I didn't know if you had any, uh, any other closing thoughts. Uh, no, no, I, I don't. I, I, I'm heavy burdened for the sheep within the church. And I'm, we're going to be having a shepherd's camp here in two weeks. So, um, and that's uh, just strictly Canadian, limited to Canadian pastors because I can't have the U.S. pastors up. And it's going to be an interesting week as we sit there and pray and, and walk through the very things you're talking about and um, hope, hoping we will covenant to obedience no matter the cost and we will be praying for our brothers to the south, that's for sure. So I appreciate the opportunity to visit. Pray for us, please, in Canada. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I appreciate you coming on. I will pray for you, and uh, I hope that will be a profitable discussion and profitable fellowship. Uh, I said before, I'll say it again, I'm not a prophet nor a summer prophet, but I anticipate lockdowns are going to come back in the States uh, with a vengeance in cold and flu season. I hope I'm wrong, but uh, we will see. I I understand uh, where you're coming from, and <clears throat> you know they've already they've already padded the, the, or stacked the deck in their favor, Rocco, by saying the variants are coming. How yes. many different variants are there going to be? Tell you what, the lust of power. Once you get it, you don't want to let it go. Yeah. I'll, I'll say one more thing along those lines before we wrap it up. Years ago, uh, before I, let's say, did, did a little bit more research about uh, history of the states, how the country, how the nation was formed, the Constitution, those things, uh, I'd hear some people say, you know, the reason we still have the rights we have left in the states is due to guns, and I'd say, ah, oh, yeah, that's that's whack. That's that makes no sense. And you look at Australia and New Zealand, and to a lesser extent, the UK and what they do to those people. Uh, there's no doubt the tyranny would be so horrifically worse now. There's a li- there's some respect to the people because they know there's easily over 100 million guns in this country, <laughs> and they know That's if right. they push so hard, it's not going yeah. to end well. So they have, they have to be far more careful, far more careful. And I'm I'm glad I'm in a country that's armed. Well, and I'm going to give you this insight as this practical, personal testimony. Um, It's like I'm in the twilight zone because stateside I have four guns. I have a permit to carry, (laughs) and I do carry. 
and Amen. I carry proudly to defend my family. Um, Amen. Anybody wants to kill me, and uh, that's fine. But I have a restorative responsibility to my wife, my children, my grandchildren. And when I walk around into a major city with them, I don't have a problem carrying it. But as I cross the border, and I did once cross the border with my handgun <laughs> in the seat, and, uh, and do you have anything to declare? And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I've got my handgun, and I've got a permit to carry, and I just forgot it was in the truck. And uh, they gave me a, a, a large tongue lashing and sent me back to the States. Um, so oh, but they didn't confiscate they didn't confiscate it. No, because I declared That's good. Oh good, good. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Good enough to send me back and I was all legal in the American context, so they just sent me back, which was what a blessing, yeah, because I didn't want to lose that. But um I, I say that to say I am faced with that you know, that contrast every day. And um let me tell you, you do. You definitely want. You are blessed because of the Second Amendment, and that uh, it does. It does restrain evil. It just does. Absolutely. There's, there's no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind. Well, thanks again, Pastor Shane. I uh, appreciate your ministry. Appreciate your testimony. Thanks for coming on. I will pray for you, and uh, if you want to, uh, we will do this again. Excellent. Well, let's keep in touch. Have a good night. Thank you. Thank you. Bye for now. Bye. You've been listening to the KRP Radio Show, Keeping It Real with Pudgy Miller, guest host Rocco P. with special guest Pastor Shane from Canada. Uh, I will hope to be on the air next month. Anticipate that date will be July 30th, the last Friday of the month. Thank you again, Pudgy Miller, for the opportunity to use your platform. K-I-R-P Radio! Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.